Welcome to the Tech Bytes podcast from the Pack of Pushers. Operating a data center fabric is a substantial operational challenge. Automation is proving that reliable, fast change works and delivers real business value. We've been talking about this software operation of networks for a while, and we're well into the cycle now where people are using it, and they've been deploying these software tools and showing real returns to the business and also a better lifestyle for engineers. Nokia Fabric Services System embraces the software transition to deliver fabric management of your data center network. Fabric Services System, of course, embraces the functionality of their Nokia Service Router Linux, or SR Linux for short, and brings intent-based automation to your data center fabric. I'm speaking with Fanny Nognogandhi about Nokia Fabric Services System. Let's get straight into the details. Fanny, for modern, highly scalable data centers, we've seen a lot of this, and this is this high density, 40, 100 gig type stuff. What are the drivers that you think are for a good fabric automation solution? Yeah, the good drivers is, you know, this is not a new term. A lot of things have been talked too much by various vendors and kind of been coined by one or two large vendors. But when you look at the larger automation at scale problem, there is technically no other way than delivering automations via intent. If you don't take an intent-based approach and you're trying to configure every small box with every possible network knob and make sure there are no human errors, those, that is just not a scalable way of designing or deploying network automation. So we we honestly or strongly believe that automations at scale can only be delivered by intent. And that is the starting point of a scalable data center fabric automation. There's lots of different ways to come at a tent, but the one that I currently use or the way I'm currently thinking about it is intent is I want to configure a, a, you know, a thing, right? And at the end of the day, you can boil it down and there might be a few different ways to configure it, but you're going to configure it a way for me. That's intent. I want this outcome. I want this server connected to this VLAN, which is in this eVPN. And you're going to go and just do that for me. That's a simple description of intent. That's correct, Greg. Just focus on the what and how it is done. It's up to the implementation of the intent-based automation system. And in our case, we explicitly try to make sure that we, we take an abstract intent approach. What it, what it means is that the guy who is sitting in front of our automation platform and trying to automate a large scale data center network, he doesn't need to know the lowest level of networking knobs and only focuses on, let's say, physical aspects like, just tell me how many racks you're trying to build this fabric for. Mm -hmm. And that is good enough for us to build all the way from day zero design topology and actually deploying it with zero touch end-to-end uh, -end underlay as well as in, in going forward for all the overlay part of the aspects as well. But the technology that's underneath this is all standards. Uh, is that right? So you're using SR Linux, Nokia's SR Linux, which is the new operating system with standard EVPN type constructs. It's just the software doing the, well, what I think of as the tedious work of, of doing that. That's correct. You know, so, so Greg, not only we try to comply to uh, what I call as open on wire, meaning anything that goes under the wire has to be standards compliant, hmm. whether it is data plane, like what VXLAN encapsulation we use or any other future MPLS or segment routing encapsulations we will use versus any control plane. Everything has to be standard based and it has to be open on wire. Absolutely. You know? I, I like that idea, really, because the software is in, if you wanted to, you could find that 
maybe you want to change away from something or you want to be able to understand what's happening in the actual switch fabric itself and you want to see what the MPLS EVPN looks like, you can go down there and show the commands and you can get that feedback if that's important for you. But it's standard common skills. It's not some proprietary protocol doing its thing. That's correct, Greg. Basically, you know, trying to balance out the ability to do deliver some easy buttons mm. so that the day-to-day life of the operator is simple. And more importantly, you know, you got to make sure that the human error is reduced. Try to drive the human error to, as close as possible to zero. Mm. Because, you know, people think sometimes automations is about saving man hours. I mean, I, I, I've been spending like, 15 years on data center side of the market. I've worked with all the Wall Street and various large enterprises. In I, I, can, I won't take the name of the customer, but let's see. One simple human error triggered like close to $10 million of loss. Mm-hmm. So the automation angle is not just about reducing the maneuvers. Keep in mind when the vendor tests, qualifies, and delivers an automation for a given fabric, the customer is going to inherit the less human errors also. So that's one of the key value add I think people miss. Uh, it's not just about, hey, give me a scripted automation versus uh, we have a sophisticated automation that we call as fabric services. Yeah. Uh, what's the difference, you know? Yeah. Well, I think there's a few things here. One is that these automations, these intent-based systems turn you towards good work. They free you up so that you can do more useful work, focusing on, I don't know, security follow auditing or uh, doing better research on your next acquisition cycle or spending more time on projects that make a difference to the company. I don't see it as spending less work. I see it as doing better work overall. And that's what I like about it. I want to shift the discussion here a little bit to um, that it's also a reality that for most data centers that the IP fabric that you build doesn't stand alone. It has to integrate with other systems. Does the fabric services system integrate sideways? Does it have that federation capability? It does, you know, we are very conscious from the beginning, ground up. We basically have to make sure that we can coexist with the surrounding ecosystems. And typically, I take the examples of any software-defined data center platforms like a VMware or an OpenStack or a Kubernetes. Uh, And in these ecosystems, the network is only one of the player, one of the uh, citizen over there. So you need to not just deliver your networking part, but you also need to tightly integrate with the surrounding ecosystem. That's when the customer really gets the value out of it. See, if I, so Greg, if I define the overall intent, what does this conceptually mean to an engineer to engineer? It's what his intent is hey, look, I have a desired state, that mm-hmm. is my intent. And I want to drive the network towards that desired state. If the current state is equal to the desired state, you're good. Yeah. If the current state has deviated, I need to do my best to make sure that I will basically uh, enable the kind of automation that will drive towards uh, making the current state equal to the desired state, right? right. Yeah. Now, where exactly is the desired state coming from? Actually speaking, it's coming from the application workloads. So you need to better understand what is the desired state for those given applications that are getting onboarded. And that close, tight integration with the surrounding ecosystem is a very important piece. Network by itself cannot do its job, you know. What you're alluding to here is that customers might be running VMware or Kubernetes on top of the the fabric that you're building, right? And you want 
the Kubernetes containers, you've got some sort of service mesh, or you've got maybe you're using Kubernetes native networking and you want to put these containers into this VLAN. Well, that means that you then have to start configuring the eVPN to move those VLANs to be where the server is. And then you might want to set up some other rules. There's a bunch of integration that you can have between VMware NSX or Kubernetes API so that you can actually do all that automatically or without... Uh, you can capture that as intent. If it happens, then I just want my fabric to reconfigure itself. That's correct, Greg. And even before things like NSX come into the picture, what happens is in the VMware ecosystem, basic foundational services like the vSAN or the vMotion, all these guys, they need uh, some network plumbing and uh, the hypervisors themselves can come in and go. There's a lot of dynamism as well, you know? Hmm. So before even you hit the application, some of these foundational services also need zero human errors, need clear automations, such a tight coupling with the software-defined data center ecosystem that the network should kind of become invisible, meaning it should be so tightly integrated within the ecosystem that as the virtual admin starts creating his resources, hmm. uh, you know, network just needs to follow it. Obviously, a network will become visible when there is a problem. It's fascinating to me that this idea that you could go into Kubernetes and instantiate a container and then makes a, a call to the fabric services system to say, I need you to present this uh, VLAN to this system so that I can route the packets and so forth. And that just kind of happens. It's boggling That's- compared to where we've been. Yeah, I mean, that machine-to-machine automations need to happen, Greg. There's no way with this kind of scale and this kind of dynamism, you you don't want the human to get into the picture and try to do these things manually or potentially make mistakes, you know. And Kubernetes is, again, a very good example, you know. It delivers that open, pluggable architecture, right? So vendors like Nokia or even anybody, you know, they can go insert their custom operators and try to stitch the application world with the network or the fabric side of things. But at the end of the day, drive the application's desired state to be the current state in the network. You know, whatever the role network needs to play, it needs to be in line with what the application wants. Uh, Yeah. And so I guess the the next section we normally talk about, when we start talking about fabric automation, we start talking about uh, knowing what's happening in the fabric. Because once we've got software controlling the, the IP fabric, we want to talk about visibility and analytics and observability. What's the sort of functionality that Nokia is bringing to the FSS in that section? So I think we got to learn and take a page from the application side of the world as the applications evolve to more distributed microservices. Initially, they focused on automations with all the moving parts. They did a good job of automations, but when observability was not done right, it was so difficult to root cause. And at the end of the day, the deployment and the day to plus operations get affected. And the thing about Kubernetes is it ground up takes care of not just automations, but also the observability aspects of these lots of moving parts. And when you take a page out of that and apply it to networking, that's what we as Nokia are doing, where we are giving equal importance and ground up design for both automations and observability at the same time. When I talked about that desired state and current state, 
current state is about grabbing all the information about what is the state of the network. And I, I'm simplifying it, but there's so many attributes that you look at on the network that forms the current state and make an intelligent decision on what things adjusted will make sure that we fall, we ensure that the desired state of the operator is maintained. And from that point of view, Greg, uh, you will see the usual suspects. We'll collect all kinds of metrics, all kinds of telemetry data. Mm-hmm. But how do you make sense out of it? Try to extract the insight out of it. That's going to be the key focus for us. I think another part about this too is because we're configuring everything the same way and consistently in a specific way, it gets a lot more consistent in what you want to monitor because really an IP fabric is about uh, some fairly consistent metrics that you want to see. You want to know, is the port up? You want to know how much percentage utilization it is. You might want to know how much traffic is flowing in a given EV LAN. You might want to know what's the CPU running on the devices. But it's fairly consistent when you get into a modern IP fabric. The observability can be very detailed because it's very consistent. Is that a reasonable statement? It is reasonable, and that starts from uh, the overall architectural thinking also. We are all engineers at heart, right? And all the good engineers will appreciate the simplicity in the overall scalable data center deployments. I mean, Facebook, the Lupukov draft, all those guys preach the same, right? Guys, let's simplify the overall protocol like Exotica and for a given data center network, for a given BGP-based IP fabric, hmm. when you simplify things and you're consistently configuring every device in the same way, the, it, it allows you to monitor a bunch of metrics and those small set of metrics will give you enough visibility to root cause majority of the problems. I wouldn't say that um, it, the observability doesn't get complicated, but believe me, the simplification starts from day zero design itself. If you yeah. want to design all kinds of topologies and fabrics and all kinds of protocols, it gets complicated and that maps to the observability aspect also. Right. Uh, yeah. So really this is this is a, a full intent-based networking solution for the data center fabric. It's got all the features that you would expect in this product. It's got the abstracted intent. You've got the north and southbound APIs. You've got the integration with VM, you know, tools like VMware and Kubernetes so that you can do the automated instantiation via, you know, normal tools that you want to see. But it also runs on top of SR Linux. Let's just recap what SR Linux is for people who might have missed the other podcast. Say uh, 30 seconds. Yeah, SR Linux, you know, we took the strong routing pedigree from our SR OS and we modeled a completely ground up new management framework, which I call it as a modular model driven. You know, Mm -hmm. people have been delivering model driven for some time, but the modularity within SR Linux is to such an extent that you can get extract information all the way to a detailed hardware table, mm-hmm. or you can bring your own component and define new data models and extend the operating system. So if you think about it conceptually, it is like bringing microservices to the network operating system. You know That <laughs> modular model-driven yep. not only enables an open and uh, extendable thing, 
but also that modularity helps you build a loosely coupled extensions. I kind of, you know, we've had a couple of, you know, quite long discussions around SR Linux on the network on packet pushes. And one of the things that struck me about it was that you sort of waited in a sense until to see all the mistakes that other people have made. And you started from the ground up, like it's a fresh build. It's not a rework of a legacy technology or taking 50% or 70% of another platform and trying to strap a, a rocket engine on the outside of it for intent based. This is actually a full ground up rewrite, considering That's with correct. all the lessons that you can see around you, I think. That's correct, Greg. But, but to be uh, very honest, it's not like we intentionally waited. Yeah. The point is, I think we were lucky enough to have an opportunity to implement at a later time, and also with help of some few large customers who were able to guide us. Uh, I mean, speaking from the heart as an engineer, you know, it's not like other vendors uh, don't have the right engineers, you know, it's it's the opportunity to build, let's say in, in 2018 or 2019, you know, <laughs> uh, versus your operating system if it was built in beginning of 2000s. So it, it, it's it's when you have implemented it. By that time, we already had a lot of the distributed microservices and the whole thing yeah. happening on the application side, right? So. Well, we've seen a couple of startups stumble here. Like this is, you know, uh, this this idea of a modular container microservices architected NOS is something that quite a few companies have attempted and stum and failed to deliver. So, it is a testament to the fact I mean, that there you've is the, to- it's a double-edged sword, Greg. If you overdo it, if you overdo the uh, microservices, you get into too many moving parts, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, see, it's as simple as this: you have to decompose, deliver a lot of. Uh, loosely coupled services and at the end of the day you have to recompose them as a single network operating system also mm-hmm. so when you decompose and recompose you got to be careful if you overdo it just for theoretical reasons uh, trying to drive and deliver a GA quality network operating system is not an easy job you know so fabric services system it must be microservices oriented as well Absolutely. We yeah. are not only Kubernetes, we exploit a lot of Kubernetes functionalities and our business logic itself is a very containerized and highly distributed microservices. What does that mean for me as a customer, right? So I, I had plenty of vendors say to me, oh yeah, no, we've, we're using a Kubernetes microservices containerized platform for our intent-based software. As a customer, what does that mean in terms of fabric services system? Does it mean it like goes faster? Does it upgrade easier? What, what's the value there? Yeah, that's a good question, Greg. And I face that with a lot of our customers as well. And you hit on one of it, which is independently upgradable modules, right? Let's say you have an issue within one of the functionality, and hopefully we have done a good job of creating functional boundaries. Let's say something who is taking care of underlay is within a microservice and mm. something who is taking care of a overlay is in a separate microservice. So you could fix, or even when you're trying to deliver new features, the feature velocity also increases yeah. uh, and you still deliver uh, high quality because of that loosely coupled aspect. But again, I go back to that, Greg, we got to be careful based on the nature of the application. You got to utilize that microservices uh, pattern as, uh, to to the level it where it applies. If you overdo it, let's say just because a banking yeah, company, don't, but, yeah. you don't want a Kubernetes just for the sake of Kubernetes. You want to actually Correct. make sure that there's a business. So you've got to be careful to match your development engine to make sure it matches what you want to achieve in the outcome. 
yeah basically once the engineers are on the ground they know what exact problem statement they are trying to solve you will see a good implementation come out and that's what we're trying to do with our fabric services as well as our sr linux you know mm-hmm. we we understand the value of technology but we will, you will not find us overdoing it or just doing it for the heck of marketing reasons you know well thanks very much to fanny for coming on to today's show to talk about nokia's fabric services system i think that the the thing that came out of this was that the whole idea of intent based configuration is very normal now and that there are ways to do this that can work and that this product is got all the features that I would be looking forward that I could consider at least in the initial phase what we can cover in a 15-minute podcast. And you should find out more about it by reading Nokia's blog, which is Rethinking Data Center Fabric Operations. And there's a link for all of this in the show notes. If you just do a search on your favorite uh, search engine for packet pushes and Nokia fabric services system, it will turn up. There's four links there, particularly to that I used to prepare for today's show. And I thought actually that information was pretty well done. So thanks very much to Nokia for sponsoring today's show. Thanks to Fanny for coming to talk about uh, the product, the fabric services system intent-based uh, data center fabric. And as always, you can find this and many fine free technical podcasts and our website at packetpushes.net. You can follow us on Twitter as at Packet Pushes. You'll find us on LinkedIn. And if you could rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher, that is a huge help to us. And last but never ever least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>